This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with a hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Um, I'm not with Tony again, but I, I wanted to share some sports insights that I, I these aren't novel, I'm sure. I haven't talked about sports a whole lot um, in this football season. I don't think I've talked maybe once uh, about football. So I've been watching my, and I say my, my pitiful Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'll get back to the my part in a second, um, just look horrid. <laughs> they, just, they just look terrible. Uh, the, t- the team doesn't seem like they have a clue what they're doing at any phase of the game at all. They've somehow won two games, and I honestly don't know how. They're, they're, they're should, they should be 0-8. There's no reason they're 2-6 and six other than two other teams had to be worse that day. Um, but it, it got me thinking as I'm watching that game and I'm watching college football. Um, we, we spend a lot of time rooting for laundry. And that's a simplistic way of putting it, but can you tell me who the punter was for your team 15 years ago whatever team you root for college pro doesn't matter 15 years ago who was the punter who who was the center who was the left guard offensive left guard the reality is you don't know you you know some of the bigger names um but you don't really know much about them other than what you've seen portrayed so some people would say well i i know aaron Rodgers because he's been in the league for a long time and he's a great player his personal life, odd, but you know he's a good player. Ben Roethlisberger, same thing. Uh, Tony Romo. You know the quarterbacks that stick around for a period of time, but you don't tend to know most of the other people. Uh, sometimes you know a running back if they're around long enough and are successful enough, but I would say that most people, even if you're a diehard fan of your team, I can't tell you who the puncher was for the Pittsburgh Steelers 15 years ago. I have no idea. I'd have to look it up. And after I looked it up, I still wouldn't care because it's interchangeable. You're rooting for the laundry. You're rooting for the jersey. And when it comes right down to it, is the jersey making you happy? I can tell watching the Steelers, it's not making me happy. I don't know that it's making me sad, but it's not making me happy. Um, but I, I, I noticed some things yesterday uh, as I saw the Steelers. I say my team, and we'll get into this here. You hear a lot of people say, my team, as though you're part of the team or you own the team. Uh, I've never met a, a, an owner, and I've never met anybody who played on the team of which they were speaking. I have met some professional football players. I worked with a couple, but they didn't really talk about it as their team. Um, it was just the team. So this possessiveness of fans is, is a little odd, to say the least. And well, It can be pro in college. It doesn't, doesn't even matter what what level we're talking about is my team. Now, if your alma mater is playing, maybe it's our team, possibly. It's not my team, unless you played on it. And even if you're not currently playing on it, then it's not my team. The other part that is a little odd, and, and everybody takes this differently, is buying a jersey. I don't care what sport it is, but grown adults wearing the the name of their team on the front and somebody else's name on the back 
is odd if you think about it. Why are you wearing somebody else's name? It's not your name. You had nothing to do with it. You bought a jersey. Why did you buy a jersey for a player who isn't you? Now, if your name's on the back and that would be the number you wore or whatever sport you played, okay, maybe. But when you're walking around with um, Troy Palomalo's jersey on, you're walking around 43 Pittsburgh Steelers jerseys, it says Palomalo on the back. Unless you're Troy Palomalo or a Palomalo family member, why? He can be your favorite player. Why are you wearing his jersey? Now, the NFL doesn't want to hear this. College sports don't want to hear this, especially football. I, I don't need to buy your jersey to watch the sport. And you make a lot of money on jersey sales. Um, there's outsized numbers. You look at the NBA jerseys. They, they try to determine how popular somebody is by how many jerseys are sold for that player. It doesn't mean they're good players. It just means they sold a lot of jerseys. The same thing happens in the NFL. So I, I don't understand. You go to these, you look at the games on TV or go to the stadium and you see all these people wearing jerseys as though, I, I don't know. Does it connect you somehow? Uh, I talked to a guy yesterday and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of a certain team. If they win, doesn't change my life. If they lose, doesn't change my life. And that's the reality for most of us. If, if they're winning or losing determines how happy you are in life, you've got some other issues and you need to, you need to look that closely in the mirror. But I do think sports give us something to, I don't know. If you watch the, um, the movie, uh, Vision Quest back in the 80s. I played this clip on, on the show before. It just talks about sports lifting you up from your mundane lives for a brief period of time. So if your team wins and you're passionate about that team for whatever reason, right or wrong, then it makes you feel like, okay, things are good. And if they, they lose or, or there's a devastating loss or a close loss then you're devastated. You're upset. Um, and that's, that's probably, that's very typical, but it's probably not a great thing in life. So if your life revolves around a sports team or sports ball, as some people say, maybe you need to look in the mirror a little closer and say, why, why am I so tied up in that? What is it? What does it do for me? And why am I making it the focus of any time of my life? Now, get, get me wrong. I love to watch football. I enjoy it. I like to watch a good game. Even if it's not the team that I'm rooting for, I always find a reason to cheer for one team or another just because I want to see a good game. And I usually want to see a close game. I don't want to see a blowout. See, a blowout's not fun. Even if it's my team causing the blowout, it's not fun to watch. It's not interesting. It's not compelling. See, we like drama. As human beings, we like drama. I don't like manufactured drama. If you've watched a show... And you say, why did that guy go up to that door when he knew very well there was something bad happening, but he went there anyway? It's manufactured drama. That's what writers do because they're lazy. They, they manufacture drama. So sports tends to be non-manufactured, although there's situations where you're put into a drama situation. Last two minutes of a uh, NFL football game, it's, it's designed for drama. The last couple minutes of an NBA game where they take timeouts constantly, it's manufactured drama to a point you don't know what the outcome is, or at least you don't think you do. You think you might. Everybody has a chance. It could happen. There could be a comeback. Every time you watch an NFL game and somebody's coming back in the fourth quarter, you say, this person has manufactured 42 fourth quarter comebacks in their career. Okay. What does that mean? Does it mean they were behind 42 times that they 
should have been ahead maybe. So it, you look at those stats and go, okay, this, this person's hit uh, nine of their last 12 shots in their last seven games. Why'd you pick seven games? Why 12 shots? You know, it's sometimes the stats are very odd to me. But anyway, as I'm watching the Steelers yesterday, they were playing the Eagles. Now, the Eagles out, were out, outmatched the Steelers in, in every facet of the game. Uh, they had a better defense. They had a better offense. They had a better special teams. They had better coaching. Uh, all, all very true. And they deserved to win because they were a better team. Uh, and if, if the Steelers played them 17 straight times, they'd probably lose 17 straight times. But what I noticed was, and you, you can probably see this in your life, and it doesn't have to do with sports, but it's just when somebody feels inferior, especially men, they get chesty. And by that, I mean they, they, they pump up their chest and they, they stick it out and say, I'm, I'm tough, I'm tough. You got, you got to respect me, respect me, respect me. And the people who know they're good at something don't usually feel the need to tell you how good they are at something. Their actions speak for them. They don't need to say anything. I think of Barry Sanders when he would run in a touchdown for the Detroit Lions and he would place the ball at the end zone. And I, I think I've talked about this on the show before. It's act like you've been there before and act like you're going to be there again. It's not a look at me, look at me, look at me moment. It's this was my job and I did it. Now that's not great on TV because for some reason, the fans just get hyped up when somebody rips their helmet off and starts screaming or posing. I don't. Now, I'm, I'm probably the odd one here, but I don't get any joy out of seeing somebody make a fool of themselves doing a dance or crawling through on uh, an army crawl on their stomach and throwing a grenade. None of that. You're not at war. You did your job. So if a defensive lineman or a defensive end sacks the quarterback... They get up and start pounding their chest and screaming and looking at the crowd. But that's what you're supposed to do. How about all the times when you don't do that, when the quarterback runs past you, the running back runs past you? Do you, you go, my bad, I'm sorry, that was me. No, you, you act like, well, that, that didn't happen. So you shouldn't be chesty when, you're, when you do something well that you're supposed to do. Now, if it's above and beyond, you've all seen some catches in the NFL or college or, or even high school. You've seen catches, you go, wow, I don't know how they did it. That was amazing. But just doing what you're supposed to do isn't, isn't uh, worth clapping for necessarily. It isn't worth getting up and getting all excited. You've got a first down, and you put your arm out and go like that. Well, why? We don't need your help. I, I was watching yesterday, and I saw that every time a player would get near the end zone, his teammates would put their arms up like they scored a touchdown, as if the refs were looking at you for confirmation of what they were going to call. Or you see coaches going, that, screaming, at the co- screaming at the ref, that was, that was something. Maybe this happens. I, I only know one professional uh, NFL referee, and he says this doesn't happen. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. Have you ever changed a call because a coach or a player or the fans screamed at you to change the call? Now, it's human nature. You say, oh, I messed that up. I have to maybe, it's a judgment call sometimes. I maybe have to go a little lenient on the next thing or call something else as a makeup call. We, we hear about that. He's telling me that doesn't happen. They don't do that. It's, every call is individual, and you don't, you don't think about the previous calls. Human nature would tell me you're probably not being completely honest about that. But okay. But why does every player, every coach, 
every fan scream at the refs like that's going to change it. That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. How can you not see that ref holding, pass interference, whatever? We, we get t- I get tired of the constant anger and vitriol shoveled at people. You know, I don't need to see a player tell me when it's first down. It doesn't matter if you think it's a first down. It only matters if the referees think it's a first down. I don't care if you think it was a charge. It only matters if the referee thinks it was a charge. Okay? So you screaming about it doesn't in any way cause it to be true. But you scream, and, and the fans are some of the worst. They will scream and throw things and get you into apoplectic fits because what they think should have happened, and again, they're all biased. Don't forget this. They are biased beyond belief and a lot of cases probably liquored up. They make assumption that, well, you can't possibly go, you're cheating me. Talk to a fan of any sports team. Say, my team has had to go on the road three weeks in a row. That's an unfair schedule. Okay. And then you get to be home for six games. So what's your point? You know, we hear this all the time in college football, especially. Well, we had to start the season on the road again for the fifth straight year. Yeah, but you had eight months to recover from doing it before. It's not that big of a deal. But you'd act as though it's the worst thing that has ever happened to me. I can't possibly believe how unfair everybody is to my team and my coach and my players. The reality is, as a fan, it's a fanatic, okay? This is a quote from Winston Churchill. I've said it before. A fanatic is one who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. Are you a fan Are you someone who can't change his mind and won't change the subject because you want to get your point across? Sports talk radio is littered with this, especially in New York City and and Los Angeles and San Francisco. It's constant. What did they do wrong? Why couldn't they do it the way I think they should do it? Why didn't they fire this person? Why didn't they hire this person? Why didn't they pick up this person? Why didn't they spend money? It's not your money to spend. It's not your team to run. It's not your team to coach. Okay? So you can have an opinion. But sometimes you need to keep that opinion to yourself. Now, sports talk radio wouldn't exist if people weren't shooting their mouths off. But that doesn't mean you should shoot your mouth off simply because you don't know what you're talking about most of the time. I can sit here and say, I think Mike Tomlin is an average coach. But he won a Super Bowl and he's been to another one. He's an average coach. He does not understand, in my opinion, how to manage a team. And he's still employed. Because it's not my team to determine. It's not my team to pay. It's not my coach to hire or fire. Okay? It's not mine. I don't have any vested interest other than I've rooted for that laundry my entire life. That's it. I've rooted for laundry. And the laundry is run by somebody I think is not good at running the laundry. But their boss thinks they are. Would you want somebody coming into your place of employment and telling your boss to fire you because of something that you didn't understand, didn't understand how it worked. And, you know, somebody made a mistake and suddenly they should be fired. They should be fired because I don't like the outcome. And that's where, that's the crux of what we're coming to. The outcomes. We expect an outcome. I spent this amount of money, so I should get this. Taking all risk away I should get this because I spent this. You've heard this in life. You've heard people tell you, well, I spent a lot of money on this car. 
It should, it should work better. Maybe. But your version of a lot might be different than my version of a lot. I spent $1,000 on this car in 2022. Okay. Then I don't have high expectations. That's a great car. I spent $1,000 on this in 1920. Different discussion. $1,000 car in 1920 was a pretty expensive car. Wasn't the most expensive, but it's pretty expensive. So it's all relative to what we're talking about. So if you buy junk, don't expect great results. And your relative uh, cost shouldn't determine if it works well or if it's used correctly. You know, if you buy a hammer and a hammer is designed to pound in nails and you use it to dig a back porch or basement, that's not the, the purpose it was intended for. So when it doesn't do a great job or it breaks, you go back and say, well, it didn't work, but you didn't use it correctly. You expected an outcome that didn't match the, the tolerances for why it was created. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, they had a, they had a, a, a quarterback for 18 years in Ben Roethlisberger who had a certain level of talent. They currently do not have that talent at, at most of the positions on the field. And Ben could make you could gloss over some of the lower talent levels. Now, I would be the first to criticize Ben. I think he he played too long. But looking at what, what's sitting out there right now, yeah, there's a drop-off. There's a definite drop-off. Even at his lowest, he was a better um, passer than what is currently uh, employed on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster. And that's unfortunate. But that's the reality. No team can stay on top indefinitely. Okay, look at the Patriots. Tom Brady left. They're two years, three years now. They don't really, aren't, aren't the same team, are they? Um, they? They don't have whatever it is that made them the Patriots. They're still the mystique. Bill Belichick's there and he can scheme. But Tom Brady covered over a lot of sins that you could make up for uh, on the Patriots team. You're not as good as you think you are. And I tell my daughter this all the time. You're never as bad as you think you are. You're never as good as you think you are. You're somewhere in between because we we are highly critical of ourselves sometimes, not, not everybody, and we're highly, highly praiseworthy of ourselves even when it's not deserved. And that's the that's the crux of what we're dealing with here. Whether it's sports or life, we tend to give ourselves credit. I didn't do anything wrong. I have these conversations with my daughter. I did nothing wrong, and they made a comment at me. And as you go through the conversation, start asking questions, you find out mm, you did do some things wrong, and you did deserve to be called on it. Maybe the way it was done was not appropriate, but you weren't blameless in this whole situation. So you need to take responsibility for your own actions. So at the end of the day, when you look at our country, you look at sports, take responsibility for your actions. In all things, people will forgive you if you're genuine and apologetic, truly apologetic, not, not politician apologetic, but actually sorry for what the outcome was, the outcome and the actions. And sometimes it's more about the actions. Did you apologize because you got caught or did you apologize because it was wrong? What you did was wrong, even though nobody called you on it. See, that's the more potent apology, in my opinion, is the one where you have apologized because you wronged somebody. 
not because you lost your job over it, not because you got caught, not because you went to jail. You can be apologetic for all those things, and, and you should be. But if you're apologetic because you harmed somebody, you, you wronged somebody with your, with your words, with your actions, that's the, that's the apology we need. That's what we want to see. And not to talk politics more on this, but politicians are lousy at this. They only apologize for things that they can't blame somebody else for or apologize for things that they know that they're not going to be able to skate on. So they fake apology. And then pretty soon they're back to whatever it was that they did before because we have short attention spans. But from a sports perspective, it just it saddened me a little bit yesterday watching that because I had come to that realization that I've been written for laundry all my life. Sometimes the laundry wins and sometimes the laundry doesn't win. And should my life really revolve around any of those things, is my life better off when the Steelers win the Super Bowl? I don't see any of that money. I see no, no glory from that. I just say, hey, yeah, the team I root for is another Super Bowl. And when they lose, does my life change? No, I don't go yell at my family because my team, my team uh, lost. Um, you know, I could, I could talk about the Michigan Wolverines and the Tennessee Volunteer football teams. They're both undefeated. They're on a collision course. Tennessee's going to play Georgia on Saturday, and Michigan's going to have to play Ohio State at the end of the month, uh, end of November. I don't know what's going to happen there. Somebody asked me the other day, well, what if Michigan has to play Tennessee? I said, if it's in the championship game, I win either way. Because one of the two teams that I am passionate about won. And the other one lost, but one of them won. So I'll take that over both of them losing, right? And that's still better than, but they both can't win. They both can't be national champions. It's going to be one or the other, or maybe not even either one. But that's what, that's what sports to me is. It's, it's getting to lift yourself up a little bit for a brief time, but it can't change your life. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to make your life better. Hopefully it doesn't make your life worse. And if it does, you really have to look in the mirror as to why. So I just wanted to share that because it made me made me ponder things yesterday because it really wasn't much to watch in the game, so there wasn't a whole lot uh, other than pondering as I sat in the lazy boy and um, thought about what, what that meant for the future of the team. Uh, I'll leave it at that. We shall see if Tony and I can get back together uh, soon. He's been unavailable and I've been unavailable. It's just been a very busy time for both of us, so hopefully we can get back together very soon. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Chad. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.